Thank you, Sam. I will have Pastor come up. All right, good singing. In spite of being having full belly, I have to say I probably ate more than I should have this afternoon. Yeah. But it was good. I'm not regretting it yet. <laughs> not sure that will still be my song later, but. All right, we're going to take a break from Revelation. <clears throat> I don't know if this is a, I think it's a one-week break, but I'll be honest, I'm wrestling with a couple of things, and I don't like to preach something if I'm not confident yet. I'd rather study it further and just get to a place where I'm confident with what I'm saying before I stand up here and tell you. <laughs> and if I can't get to the place where I'm confident, then I'll preach it and I'll just tell you. I'm not confident on this, I'll be honest, but uh, <clears throat> so that's part of it. The other part is, honestly, I poured myself so much into Sunday morning that while, while I was wrestling with it, I didn't get to get to the place where I was done wrestling. So we'll see. Maybe this week I can complete the wrestling match and get it straightened out, but right, yeah, <laughs> just don't walk with a limp. Right, like Jacob. It's a reference to Jacob after he wrestled with God. God touched the sinew of his thigh, and he ended up walking with a limp the rest of his life. So, <clears throat> all right, 1 Samuel 8 is where we're going to be. 1 Samuel chapter 8. If I didn't tell you, I apologize. I intended to. I just... Uh, we haven't done this for a little while, but just take a couple minutes before I get to the message. I think I'll be somewhat short this afternoon, but uh, why don't we just share a couple testimonies? If anybody has a, a praise or a testimony, I just, we always did it every Sunday afternoon, and then we kind of changed the format of our afternoons, and we haven't really done it for a while, but I don't know. I think it's good every once in a while to share things we're thankful for or that, um, I'm thankful for our church family and just the folks that we had, have, I said had, but I meant have. I was talking with Brother Steve yesterday, Brother Elliot, and he was just talking about what a great group we have and a great church family and just, you know, the love that everyone has for one another and just, you know, the love for the Lord and just how, how well it works. And you just don't get that everywhere, so I'm thankful, thankful for that. So, yep. Yes, Miss Lorraine? Yeah. lot of that is the love for the brethren you know and just kind of coming out and we all share that common bond in Christ and because of that we can we can find those things and have that camaraderie and that fellowship with one another so yeah it's a blessing Erica you, you had something um, I've been spending thanking God for the 
Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. It's a blessing. For sure. Anybody else? Yes, Miss Jeannie. Mm, amen. Yeah, amen. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. It's a blessing every Saturday or so. You can give me a text and let me know what I'm praying for. Can you bless me? Yeah. Praise the Lord. never said much of the I won't say anything personal, but to say I have gotten. Amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah. We had, uh, <coughs> um, you know, another answer to prayer. Miss um, Sally, you remember, she, if you saw it on band, she posted about her nephew. He's home. So he went home, I think she said yesterday. So, you know, a few days ago, they didn't even know if he's going to make it. And he's home now, recovering at home. And she said he's still pretty stove up. But, I mean, that's just a huge testimony to answer prayer. And that's what she said, you know, she said, She's just thanking God for the prayer, you know, thanking God and just thankful for all the prayers that were prayed on behalf of him because they, it didn't look like, A, he might not make it, and B, if he did, it could have been permanent brain damage. And for all intents and purposes, it looks like he's, he's going to make a, a, I don't know if it'll be a full recovery, like no physical issues as a result of it because he is pretty bad, but definitely a, a huge Huge answer to prayer and make significant recovery, maybe full recovery. Yeah. But, yeah. Anybody else? Yes, Brother Troy? Thank you. Mm. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? 
time of praise or testimony. All right, if you think to um, <coughs> pray for the Thren family, they're going to be at Brandon's church this week. They're supposed to be there today, but had a incident yesterday. Had to stay behind an extra day. So prayerfully, it'll all work out. They can be there. Some, some what happened? Okay. So their second youngest daughter, Mary, they were saying goodbye to family yesterday up in Canada, and she got bit on the face by a dog. I guess pretty bad to the point she was in the hospital most of the day. I don't, I don't know that she had any plastic surgery per se, but the stitches were done by a plastic surgeon to like try to make it so that there's as little scarring and stuff as possible. So, and it's Canada, so everything at the hospital takes a re, I mean, it takes a long time here, but it's extra long. So it was, I don't think they got out of the hospital till like midnight last night. So. It was seven, eight hours anyways in the hospital. <coughs> so anyways, they were going to be down here yesterday at like 9 o'clock in the evening and getting ready for today, the first day of their, their revival meeting that's going to go for the week. And right now, you know, I'm assuming they'll probably try to get down here, but I don't know if it'll be the whole family. I don't know what that looks like. But anyways, just if you think to pray for Mary and for the family, she's, she's a blessing. She's a little spitfire. She's a blessing. Um, but <clears throat> All right. First Samuel chapter 8. Thank you for sharing and for the testimonies. That's a blessing. And All right. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and stand together out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We'll begin in verse number 1. I don't know exactly where I'll stop yet. I mean, technically, I'm kind of covering the whole chapter, but I may not read the whole chapter right now. So, All right, it says, And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the word, your word. Thank you for uh, the privilege that it is to be able to preach it and teach it. And Father, I just pray that you'd work in our hearts today. I pray that you'd uh, apply your word to our hearts, help us to be challenged and to be helped uh, through this message. And Father, we just thank you for your love for us. Thank you for all you do for us. And uh, Thank you, Lord, for loving us. We ask these things and pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
All right. Caleb, the restroom's right next door. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, he just dumped his water. Yep. All right. So in this passage, Israel is under the rule of a prophet, a judge. And the way God did it is he would have his man lead the nation of Israel And that man was ultimately under the authority of God, and he led the nation uh, from that perspective. It was a theocracy. God was in charge. He was their king. Uh, But it reached a point where Israel decided, because of what they saw in other nations, Israel decided they wanted an earthly king, uh, to make it a monarchy. That'd be right, right? Monarchy, would they have a king? Yeah, that's what I thought. So they weren't satisfied with how things were going with God as their ruler. They wanted a man to rule them. And, uh, you know, that was never God's plan. That wasn't his intention. But, you know, God will often give people what they want. You know, when they want something, when they desire something, even if it's against his will, he'll, I won't say always, but many times he'll let them have what they want. And they have to deal with the consequences. And in this passage, he even warns them of what they're going to end up with. In fact, let's read a little further down. Let's pick up in verse 10, and we'll read down some more. It says, And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. And he will take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, all right, so real quick, there's the warning. This is what you're going to get, Israel, if you require a king. If you want an earthly king, these are the things that are going to happen. So here's our response from the people of Israel in verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, go ye every man into his city. So the people of Israel want a king. Uh, you know, it's sad, but their motivation for wanting a king, we just saw at the end of the passage, that we 
also may be like all the nations. It's a sad motivation for somebody who is a follower of God, who is a child of God, who is part of the nation of God, the people of God, to look out upon the world and say, I want to be like them. Um, but sadly, even Christians look out at the world and sometimes think, boy, I wish I had what they had. I wish I could do what they do. I wish I could have a piece of what they get to have a piece of. You know, Proverbs 24.1 says, Be not envious against evil men. The Bible tells us that. We've looked in Psalms before. And Asaph, I forget the exact reference, but Asaph talked about how he was convicted because that was a time where that's what he wanted. He looked at the world and he wanted to be like them and couldn't understand why they were so blessed, but came to the conclusion that while it appeared they were blessed, in the end, they were not going to be. And he realized that what he had was actually better than he realized. So, if we work down through this passage, we'll pick up in verse 5 again. It says, And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. So they gathered, came to Samuel because they had an agenda. They gave him reasons that made sense by their own justification. And whenever we use our own logic and our own justification to understand things or to plan things, we should be careful. Uh, because our logic is often carnally motivated. Uh, so we got to be careful. Always compare it with the Scripture. What does God say? No other judge before. Now, here's their logic. Samuel's sons are not godly. He's trying to set us up to be under his sons, but they're not godly. You know how many other judges in the past had been succeeded by their sons? <laughs> Fooled you with that, didn't I? <laughs> I'm just kidding. None of them. Not one prior judge had been succeeded by their own son. Now, why did God do that? Well, the first thing that pops into my head and makes the most sense is it wasn't a monarchy. God was appointing the man that he wanted to lead the nation, and he didn't want to establish that this family was going to rule the nation. No, it was the man that he chose, and he didn't take their son and set them up. It wasn't a familial thing. It was a God-called thing. So... Israel's using that as their motive. Well, Samuel's sons aren't godly, so we can't trust them, so we're going to need a king to fix this. But that had not been God's process in the past, but that was their own reasoning based on what they saw the world doing. A king was in position, and his son would rise up and take his place. That's not what God was doing. That had never been what God was doing, so it was poor logic. But when we try to understand the things of God... By the things that the world does, we are going to get ourselves mixed up and messed up and end up in trouble. God would have raised up another man if the people had been patient. In Psalm 27, 14, it says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, one of the ways we get ourselves in trouble frequently is getting ahead of God. Not being willing to wait on him. Not being willing to let him lead or be patient for him to reveal his will. We just get impatient and we jump. They called for a king. They wanted a man that would sit on a throne and rule over them. What they had was a man that humbly, though boldly, led the people in the direction God showed him. And with this scenario, God was on the throne. 
They wanted a man on the throne. Secondly, in verses 6 through 18, we just read them, so I won't go down and read them all again, but in verse 6, it says, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us, and Samuel prayed unto the Lord. So Samuel obviously is not pleased because he knows this isn't God's plan. He knows it was never God's intention for a king to sit on the throne, a man to sit on the throne, and rule the nation of Israel. Uh, it was not what he intended or desired to have happen. In verses 7 through 9, it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. You know, as a pastor, as a Sunday school teacher, as a youth teacher, as a Christian I'm not, I'm not just talking about me, anybody who's in any kind of position of providing any Christian counsel. If the person rejects that counsel, understand, well, whether this gives you peace of mind or not, understand they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God and His Word. Uh, and that should help us not to take it personally. I still struggle to think, well, I, I mean, I want people to do what God wants them to do. Like, it's still hard to think that that doesn't necessarily make me feel a lot better. But if they're angry about it, they're not angry with me. They're angry at God. And, in, and when that comes to fruition or when that comes to realization, I know there's nothing that I can do to fix it. Because if we're telling them God's word, we're doing what God's told us to do. And if people don't like it, it's not my fault. God's not wrong. You can deduce from there <laughs> what the result is. Right, the person that's upset about it is wrong. All right, verse 8. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out, up out of Egypt, even unto this day wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Verse 9. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. So the Lord says, Samuel, oh, Samuel, <laughs> no, just, don't stress yourself about it. He says, Israel historically has turned away from me and gone to serve other gods. He goes, you're just doing it again. He said, it's not your fault. It's just, it's just how it is. It's just what they keep doing. And, you know, the same is really true of us as well. We tend to serve God faithfully, and then we get distracted sometimes by something else, and we maybe we don't even realize it, but we wind up serving ourselves, and then God has to knock some sense into us, and He does it nicely usually, gently, kind of opens our eyes to it, and we go, oh, man, I need to get back on track. I didn't even realize I put myself on the throne there. And we got to fix that. And then after a while, we get complacent, going through the motions, and we do it again. Proverbs 16, 25 says, There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And, uh, you know, we can make our own way and think, I got it all figured out. But I say we just stick with God's way. That's the way to go. So why do we go to people rather than God with our problems? Well, a lot of times we want their sympathy, their support, their encouragement. And I'm not saying don't come to me or Erica or, you know, 
But be careful who we go to when we're having a hard time. Uh, you know, we can get ourselves in, in trouble if we don't seek counsel from people who are going to provide biblical counsel. Um, so just be careful about that. He tells Samuel to protest solemnly and show them that it will be like living under the authority of an earthly king. And he describes how terrible that's going to be. We read about it. He's going to take your sons and he's going to put them to war and they're going to be his servants. He's going to take your daughters and they're going to work in his kitchen. He's going to take your land and he's going to plant vineyards. He's going to take your men servants and your maid servants and they're going to be his servants. And then he's going to take your, your critters and your, a tenth of your sheep. And then in the end, verse 17, ye shall be his servants. He's taking it all away from you. Hello, that's how government works, isn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's how it goes, is they just take more and more and more, and if they have their way, the people who are on top are going to have, you're, you're ultimately working for them. You know, that's what it boils down to. A life under the rule of a king does not sound that wonderful, but it sounds a lot like what we have. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe not to the extreme at times, uh, but it's, it's a struggle. It is not all that the people of Israel thought it was going to be. Don't lose your place in 1 Samuel because we're coming back. But jump over to Romans 13. So what can we do? We can complain. We can murmur. We can get riled up and bent out of shape. And believe me, I do all those things. I do. I let it get under my skin and well I've shared this many times that's why I don't follow that closely what's going on because it just gets me angry all the time <coughs> over in Romans 13 uh, beginning in verse number one it says let every soul be subject unto the higher powers Excuse me, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever there resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must need, you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore... To all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So what do we do? We respect the office. We respect the position. We don't rebel for the sake of rebellion. Now, does that mean that if the government says, you're not allowed to have church anymore? Nope, we're establishing a government uh, religion, and you need to worship the way we tell you to. Well, I'm sorry, but now they're going against this, yeah. and that we can't have. That we're gonna we're gonna rebel against. But if they say, I don't know, the speed limit's 55 miles an hour, at least be close. 
<laughs> you know, don't go and decide you're gonna drive 90 miles an hour just to rebel, because you're gonna get in trouble for it. I mean, and then what are you gonna do? Shoot, you know, get into a, you know, a pistol fight with a police officer because they tell you, pull, try to pull you over for going 15 over the speed limit or 20 over the speed limit? No, that's, that's silly. So respect and honor, understand the people who are in the places that they're in, whether or not we agree with them, they're in position because God put them there. And I, I don't like our current administration any more than anyone else does. But ultimately, God has a plan that is outside of what I really can see and understand. And while I disagree with a lot of what's going on, I don't know, if I knew all that was going on, I might say I disagree with all of it. I don't know. But while I disagree with much of it, ultimately, we know the plan is Christ is going to rapture us off the earth, and we know that in the end, perilous times are going to come, and we've got to get to those perilous times, and then he's going to take us on up out of here, and then seven years tribulation, three and a half apiece, the Antichrist is revealed, three and a half of God's wrath being poured out on the earth, and then we're coming back with Christ, and he's going to conquer everything, and he's going to establish his throne, and he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years on the earth, and we're going to be ruling and reigning with him. All that's going to happen. That's all part of his plan, and we can fight and resist what's going on as much as we want to, but ultimately God's plan is going to come to fruition. And I guess I vote the way I believe I ought to vote for biblical reasons, but if things don't go the way I would like them to, once the frustration wears off, I have to understand if God wanted things to go a different way, He's certainly capable of making things go a different way. Cheating or not cheating, voting or not voting, it doesn't matter. God is ultimately in control, and he's going to do what he's going to do to bring about his plan. So rather than get too worked up and riled up, I'm not saying get behind all the junk and wickedness and all that stuff that's going on. What I'm saying is don't let it bother you too much. I struggle sometimes and wonder sometimes at what point am I fighting against God's plan? You know, and I don't want to fight against his plan. I want to be faithful to him through the plan. I want to do and be obedient and be faithful in the areas I can be faithful. I'm not going to change single-handedly who's in office, and I'm not going to single-handedly influence them to do things differently than they are. I can pray that God will open their eyes. I can pray that God will influence them. I can lead my neighbor to Christ. I can, I can be involved in my community, and I can pray and pray and pray and pray. But when push comes to shove, the only thing I can do to change God's plan is to pray and ask him to do something different than what he's doing. And if it's not his will, I've got to respect what he's doing. I've got to respect, I may not respect the person, but I've got to respect the office. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. And we can pray for those who are in office, and we're commanded to, frankly. Verses 19 through 22, one more time says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will, ha uh, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, 
And he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord, and the people said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. So the people choose a king just the same, in spite of the truth. Does that not sound familiar? Does it, you can tell people until, they're blue in the until you're blue in the face what's going to happen when this decision, when this law is signed into place. You can tell people till they're blue in the face. That's not science. Yeah. <laughs> That's stupidity. <laughs> you know? I know they both start with an S, but they're not the same thing. I mean, I'm just saying. You know, we can tell people till we're blue in the face the truth. But the people want what the people want. And we cannot beat it into them. Sometimes, you know, maybe you'd like to, right. But we can't. So we can pray for them. We can tell them the truth. We can try to steward our influence, as we've been talking about in Sunday school this morning. But when push comes to shove, all we can do is influence them the best we can, and then they have to make their own decisions. But sadly, so often, people want what they want. 2 Corinthians 6.17, if you want to turn over there. If you lose your place, it's okay. We're done in, in, second, uh, yeah, in Corinthians. I mean, uh, Samuel there, sorry. But we're going to 2 Corinthians. That's where we're. 2 Corinthians 6. I know I got a 2 Corinthians in here. 6.17. It says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. All we can do is be separate from the world, but the people who refuse to be separate, you know, there comes a point where we have to kind of let them go. You know, with, with, as parents, this is hard, but there comes a point where we have to let our kids go. We have to trust that we've done the best we can with them, and we have to not let them go as in, all right, don't ever call me or reach out to me or ask me for help or questions or anything like that. But there comes a point where we have to let the Lord have them on their own as adults and trust that what we've poured into them and what the Lord is going to do in their life Everything's going to be okay, even though as parents sometimes we want to control every step of their life. We want to control every part of it, but we have to let God have them. Uh, you know, they're on loan to us is how I've always been, you know, it's what I've always been taught. They're on loan to us, but there comes a point where we got to give them back to God and let them let have their lives. Um, that's hard to do, but we got to do it. So, you know, sometimes... Not every kid grows up, and when they're out on their own, uh, makes all the best choices. I look over here, not because my kids aren't making good choices right now, but I know that they could make mistakes, and they will. Uh, so, uh, anyways, but there might come a time where kids make bad choices. As adults, I made my share of bad choices. I still make mistakes. Uh, you know, my dad was always good to tell me when I did, too. <laughs> <laughs> even up into my late 30s, and yeah, you still let me know if I did something wrong. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's just, um, I think that's that parenting 
nerve that never goes away, you know, wanting to help your kids and guide them as much as you can. So, anyways, in chapter 7, we're not going to read it, but we see the Lord delivering Israel from the Philistines, uh, and yet they're still requesting a king, still what they want. So though it's hard for me to comprehend this mindset, if I kind of turn it around on myself, sometimes I can be a lot like Israel. In fact, I really believe that a lot of what God records about the nation of Israel pictures the Christian life, you know, pictures human life, uh, and just the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows and the living for God and then living for self and living for God and living for self and, and the false gods that though we don't even always recognize or realize, we've set up in our lives and go, oh no, there's that bail again, I got to get that guy out of here. And get back to serving God. You know, we just, I think it's life. And it teaches us a lot when we study and we read some of the things that took place through the nation of Israel. So, what we see in Israel is a desire to have the world. They wanted to have God be there when they needed Him but they wanted a man there all the time to take care of their everyday needs. They weren't willing to trust God for their day-to-day -day needs. So what do we want as Christians? We have all that we could ever ask for in the Lord. He's everything, and He's, he's provided everything for us. We know that we'll be in heaven one day. We know that our sins are forgiven, and we know that God is on the throne with our best interest and His glory at heart. God wants the best for us. That's why He provided His Son to give us a way to go to heaven. What have we to lose by doing things His way? Really, nothing. But we have everything to gain. Uh, we can gain uh, much. So I'd encourage us, consider the Lord's way before choosing our own way. It may not always make sense, but His way is always best. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I love that. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, we try to understand God by putting Him in a box that we can wrap our brains around. Uh, but that doesn't really work. Because God is supernatural and we are natural. God is infinite and we are finite. So everything God does doesn't make sense to our human pea brains that we have. You know, I'll speak for myself, pea brain. Uh, but doesn't mean that my ways are better than God's. His ways are always better. So we, that's why he gave us his word, so we can know what they are. So I'd encourage us, strive to do things God's way. I know this morning we talked about marriage, and I didn't really think about following it up with this message for any reason, but it does fit as another just kind of plea, I guess you would say, that even if it doesn't make sense to us, God's way is always best. It's always right. All right, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction you provide to us through your word.
And Lord, we've really dealt with some heavy things today, some challenging things. And uh, I understand that we probably have a lot to chew on and to mull over as we go home today. And I just pray, Father, that you'd help us as we consider these things. Help us to strive to be what you have commanded us to be in your word. Help us not to think that we can come up with a better way. That's what Israel really did here in this passage. They weren't happy with your way of doing things. So they came up with their own way based on what they saw in the world around them. We didn't study all that took place after that, but you certainly gave a, a warning that demonstrated things were not going to be all that they thought it was going to be. It would be tough, it would be miserable, it would be costly. And things might seem like they're good at times, but they'd never be as good as they could be if they would just obey you and let your plan have preeminence. Lord, I just pray you'd help us as Christians, as individuals, as families, as homes. Lord, help us as a church to always give you and your will preeminence, your word, Lord. Help us to submit to it and strive to faithfully serve you and be obedient to you. Father, we'll praise you and thank you for all that you do in our lives. Lord, bless the rest of our day. Give us safety and help us this week to live for you and serve you, Father. We love you. We ask these things and pray them all in Jesus' name. Amen.